starting off this morning as we continue worshiping and praising Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together? Just get a little movement going here. We want some life going on in this room.
singing going on today? I'm excited. We're going to recruit you guys. You know what for, right? God loves singing, and he loves people that are raising their voices with all that they are.
each other. Make sure you get their name. We want to remember who you are here at Crossroads. are in a great, great mood this morning. We're glad. You can have a seat, please, as we continue worshiping and loving our Lord.
We as a church today are honoring all the um, seniors. So if you are a high school senior or a college senior, can you please come and stand right up front here so everybody can see you? Don't be shy, Casey. Come on. In addition to all these kids here, we also have Lance Lawrence graduating from Ringgold, and he is going to serve in the Marines for Engineering. Um, Nick Knoll, who graduated from Bethel Park, will attend Community College of Allegheny County for HVAC. Jake Sanders graduated from Ringgold also and will attend Westmoreland Community College in the field of Precision Machining. Joe Walker graduated from Agora Cyber School and will be attending Welding School. Haley Glaude graduated from Ringgold and will be attending California University to become a physical therapist assistant. And Jamie Clebancy also graduated from Ringgold and plans to attend Duquesne University in their five-year physician's assistant program. So we're going to go down the line and you guys introduce yourselves, say where you're going to college, something personal about you, and uh, you know, I say that. And then Dan Hayden, after they're all done, would you close them on prayer, please? I'm Casey. I'm going to pick Greensburg for criminal justice. I'm Zach Baker. I'm going to Penn State Barron for mechanical engineering. I'm Jake Ewing. I'm going to Clarion University for environmental geoscience. I'm Alicia Hamilton. I'm going to be working at Mon Valley Hospital as an RN. I'm Christian Jobes. I'm going to Geneva College for business and management. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you that we love the kids in our church. You know, you blink your eye and here they are, the next generation. Uh, we hope that through their parents' instruction and the little bit of help that we can give them as a church that they can go out in a lot of these places and take a stand for Jesus. And uh, you use that little piece of paper with their pictures on, put it in your prayer materials, and pray for them, okay? Please reach in the book rack somewhere near you and pull out uh, the friendship folders there. And uh, if you'll be so kind to take that little black folder and put your name on it, give it to somebody sitting near you, we'll, we'll appreciate that a lot. Well, we are launching into summer. Are you ready? We're already into it, you know. Some of our people are already traveling. I, I know we got some word back from uh, the Fords, Scott and Kathy Ford. They're out in Arizona now, and uh, they sent some pictures back there on horses out there. And so uh, I know that Scott took his summer prayer list with him, I'm sure, because he's told me before that whenever he goes away in the summer, he always takes this with him. And so I just want to draw your attention to this just one minute. We are asking people to sign up to be a part of our team, and you do that by signing this little piece of paper right here and turning it in the offering plate or the offering box. I'll put your name on my prayer list, and this is what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that the Lord will guard you this summer, help you to grow spiritually, because summer is a distracting time, 
and uh, there's so many obstacles that we have to overcome. And so I need your prayers. And if we all pray for each other, um, for instance, look what it says, that our vacation will be a vacation for God and that he will use us as him, his ambassadors as we travel. A lot of people, Chuck Green was telling me this morning, most people in our church know Chuck. Uh, he's going next week, don't be envious, uh, to the Dominican Republic uh, for he and his wife to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. And uh, I know Chuck's taking his prayer list with him. And he's going to be praying for all the needs, spiritual needs, and the physical things that we have going on in the church. And so uh, please join up by signing this little paper. And uh, let's see what God will do this summer, okay? Let's have a real winner. Uh, I think we're off to a real good start. A lot of people have already signed up. Let's stand together, please, as our ushers come, and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day which you've given to us. We pray now that you will... Uh, pour out your spirit of generosity upon our church, Lord. You have blessed us. You have taken care of us. You have provided a means of income for our family. And now we come together to uh, provide a means of income for the church family, the, the church on the hill right here, as we do our ministry in our area and then through our missionaries around the world. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
pray this morning. Father God, we want to come to you this morning and we just praise your holy name for you are holy. You are worthy of all of our praise and we do want to lift your name on high. We want to lift it so high that everyone in this world knows that we love you and that you are our Lord and our Savior and that there's a reason to shout it from the mountaintops. God, we just ask as your word is open today, Lord God, that we will just be like sponges and our hearts will just soak in every word that you have set before us today, preparing us and giving us the foundation and the rock that we need to go forth and share what a gospel presentation that we have of Jesus Christ and salvation. God, we ask that we will be real, that we will be authentic, and our love for you will be just shining through so that we can change the world and make a difference. We do love you and honor you, Lord, and we thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Jonah. We're going to talk a little bit about him this morning. Jonah chapter 4 for today. I'll give you a clue where that is. <laughs> You'll need a clue. If you find the book of Matthew, beginning of the New Testament, start leafing back toward the opening of the Bible, just a few pages, and you'll eventually arrive. You know, uh, I'm always amazed, every time I read this book, about the conclusion of it. It's not the way you would like to have it conclude. But it's true to life. It's startling, it's surprising. And we want to actually begin today reading chapter 3, verse 10 to start with. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Uh, you know the story. God called Jonah to go to one of the most wicked cities in all the world and preach against its wickedness. And he was reluctant. Uh, he thought it was too hard for him to do. He didn't want to do it. He didn't like the people. And so he went in the other direction, but he found out that you can't outrun the hand of God. He has more resources. And uh, he was trying to run away from God, and God stopped him in his tracks and provided him a free ride in the belly of a fish back to his starting place, and God gave him a second chance. And so now he, is, uh, he went into the city of Nineveh, and he preached to them that little short message that we have recorded in chapter 3. In 40 days, this city is going to be destroyed by God. Well, uh, they uh, listened to what Jonah was preaching. They repented of their sins. And, uh, and God looked down and said, Okay, I'm going to give you another chance as a city. I'm going to spare the city of Nineveh. I want you to notice with me this morning the reaction of Jonah whenever this wonderful thing took place. Chapter 4, verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Now, what kind of a reaction is that? The people are spared. The children are spared. The animals are spared. Jonah is mad. Look what he says. So he prayed to the Lord. Who's he mad at? And said, O oh Lord, I w was not this what I said when I was still in my country? 
Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, that's Spain, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I know that whenever you read the first part and you saw that Jonah ran away from God, you said you wondered why. Here's the reason in his own words. He said, I knew that if I went and preached there that you would save these people. That's why I didn't go. Figure that one out. Verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is so depressed that God is saving this town that he wants to die. It's almost like the worst day of his life. Then the Lord said, look at this, and those of you who like to underline things in your Bible, underline this. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Uh, God asked him a question. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till it might see what had become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might shade, be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Uh, he was not only miserable because of the sun was out, but he was miserable because he was mad at God. Uh, that is misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. He was very happy to get a little bit of relief from the sun. But as morning dawned, the next day, God prepared a worm. And it was it damaged the plant, that it, it withered. God says, okay, I, I made the plant. Now the shade time's over. I'll just snip it. And I have this worm I'm going to send by and take this plant down. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement uh, wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. He was mad all the time. He was mad at God. He was mad now because he lost his shade tree and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, it is right for you to be angry about the plant. He again, he asked him a question. Jonah, is this right for you to be mad because you lost your shade tree? And he said, look at his response. It's so blatant. He said, it is right for me to be angry even to death, exclamation point. And the Lord said, you have, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up at night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right and their left hand and much livestock. Jonah, you're all concerned about this plant, your personal comfort, but I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the people. Now, in the notes that I gave you this morning in your courier there, um, I just want you to keep this and, and refresh your mind uh, about the outline of the book of Jonah because it's, it's so applicable for us. First of all, Jonah in the first chapter runs from God and this shows God's patience. You know, whenever you and I, God asks us to do something, sometimes we don't jump up and down and say, okay, God, I'll do that. Sometimes we ignore God and uh, we kind of close our ears, but God is patient with us and he works with us. 
He tries to get our attention, and he certainly got Jonah's attention, didn't he? Well, he did. Uh, he, the storm came up on the ocean, and uh, they threw him overboard. That's getting his attention. Uh, God was trying to get his attention, and that he did. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Whenever you give your life to Christ, you put your feet under God's table. You're a part of his family. He says, now listen, there's new rules in this house. You're going to live by my rules. And every now and then, we want to do that in our heart, but sometimes our flesh uh, leads us in a different direction. But, uh, but God works with us. And he said, now you're a member of my family. I'm not going to let you live your life the way you want to. So Jonah chapter 1 is about rebellion. Have you ever rebelled against God? I'm, I have. Jonah chapter 2, Jonah runs to God. It shows God's power. We're talking about the chapter divisions here. It shows God's power. God provides a fish to pick Jonah up and deliver him back to his starting place. Uh, I was reading and some commentators said that inside this fish that some, something happened to the flesh of Jonah that distorted it. And when they saw him coming back into town, he looked so different because of his ride in the fish. Probably people said to him, Jonah, we haven't seen you around lately. Where have you been? And Jonah probably said, you won't believe this story. <laughs> you won't believe this story. People have been saying that ever since, right? When you say, hey, listen, Jonah really did take a... A ride in that fish, people say today, we don't believe that story. Well, just to uh, give credence, validity to that, Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 40. Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, and what Jesus says we believe, amen? And so chapter 2, Jonah runs to God. That's rededication. You know, I believe in rededication. I believe sometimes we... We go in the wrong direction and uh, we get preoccupied, especially in our world today. We get preoccupied with all sorts of things and we start wasting a lot of God's good time and God has to get our attention some way. He knows how to do that. And we say, hey, what am I doing? I need to get right with God again. And you know, that's good and rededication is good. And if you're a Christian any length of time, you've rededicated your life to the Lord a number of times and so don't be embarrassed about the idea of rededication. And that's what Jonah did. I tell you, he was in that fish, and, the, and his first thought turned to prayer and God. <laughs> and he prayed to the Lord, and he rededicated his life. And the chapter 3, Jonah runs with God. That shows God's pardon. Jonah reconsidered his wayward ways, and he said, Okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh. And I'll preach. And he did. And the Bible said he went there and he cried out against the wickedness of the people. And that's over in uh, chapter 3. Verse 4, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk when he cried out. The word cried out, I understand, means uh, the force of accosting somebody. You know, you've heard people say they were accosted. Well, Jonah went in and with such force he preached to the people of Nineveh that it was going to be destroyed that they believed him. 
And that was strange because people weren't in the custom of believing Jewish prophets. So much so that when Stephen was being stoned over in Acts, right before he was being stoned, he was preaching to the people in Acts chapter 7. You know what he said to them? He said, name one prophet you didn't persecute. And so when you go back through the history of Israel, when God sent a prophet, they persecuted him. And so this is a surprise to everyone that this whole city was listening to the prophet of God. Uh, In chapter 3, it's about repentance. The people began to repent. They said, listen, let's put on sackcloth and ashes. Let's turn from our evil ways and let's see if God will spare our town. And God did. That's repentance. The king of Nineveh picked up that the people were repenting and he made an edict and a decree in chapter 3 and he said, listen, I decree that everybody starts to repent. And who can tell whether God will save our city or not? And that's exactly what happened. The whole city began to repent and God removed his hand of emboding justice uh, coming against them because they repented. Genesis chapter 4, Jonah runs against God. Jonah's hardness and God's compassion is seen there. And this is a revival. You know, you don't hear much about revival, but here's a revival right here. Revival means to live again. Revival means to get another chance. Now, God gave Jonah another chance, and now God's giving this city, the city of Nineveh, another chance. And you know, This is where we find ourselves today. This is so relevant for your life and my life because this describes the everyday Christian lifestyle. In a nutshell, it goes like this. God asks you or me to do something. Uh, We're reluctant. We try to get out of it for a whole list of reasons. Uh, It's too hard. Don't you think that's what Jonah said? I I don't want to go there. (laughs) There's a lot of mean people over there. There's a lot of bad people over there. Uh, I don't like those people. And that was the reason, basic reason why Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't like the people. And, uh, and we, we have those reasons too. And we may not articulate it, but in our heart we feel that way. Uh, he probably felt that he would be rejected, but he was surprised when he was accepted. Uh, God won't let us live our life the way we want to. He gets our attention. We reconsider after we waste a lot of God's time, and, and God gave him a second chance. And so here we find him in chapter 4, and chapter 4 opens, and our hopes are this high that uh, this is going to have like a happy ending for everybody, and it did accept for Jonah. They were rejoicing, I'm sure, in Nineveh because God spared the town. Not Jonah. God spared Nineveh. Uh, angry Jonah. He was angry because God didn't destroy the city. He was actually hoping for failure of his mission rather than success. As he ministered, I'm sure he probably felt, I hope they're not listening to me. Now, this is a horrible thought. It really is. It's a horrible thought. I read about a fellow whose name was Jonathan Swift, and he wrote just a few lines that he thought described the attitude of Jonah. It goes like this. We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. 
There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven crammed. That's the attitude of Jonah. He had a few friends. He had a few people he liked, and that was good enough for him. Uh, he didn't want to get any more people into heaven. Well, you know, God likes to ask questions in the Bible. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Here, remember, he asked Jonah the simple question, is it right for you to be angry? But if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? What is this that you have done? Remember, he asked Cain, where is your brother Abel? What have you done? He asked King Saul, what have you done? He asked Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? He asked the mother of James and John, what do you want me to do for you? He asked Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? He asked Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, the Lord uh, wants to engage us somehow by asking us questions. And so this question that we have right here in chapter 4 is a question not only, not only for Jonah, it's a question for you and me. Is it right to be angry with God? I've talked to many, many people. I think you have too. Through the years that said, I'm just mad at God. Or someone would talk about somebody else and say, oh, they're mad at God. Well, he says here, is it right to be angry with me? The answer is always no. All the ways of the Lord are right, even if we don't understand them. Now, I know that we are so conditioned uh, that if it doesn't go our way, we're going to be unhappy with somebody. We're going to be unhappy with the people around us. We're going to blame it on God. But uh, remember this, God is in the background and he is working out his plan and his ways are right because he is, because he is a God of justice. Uh, he is a perfect God. And so here we are, we're living down here like buried in our imperfectness. Is it right to be angry with God? God was preparing all sorts of things and and I think God is doing that in your life and my life too. You know, he's working. We, we, say, we say it's in the background. But sometimes the background becomes the foreground and we see it. The Lord prepared a great fish. He prepared a plant. He prepared a worm. He prepared a wind. He prepared a lot of things in this story. But the biggest thing he was doing was preparing a prophet. And so in our life, God is working. And you know what he's doing? He's preparing a Christian. He's preparing you as a Christian. And uh, he's getting your attention when you're not listening. Because he wants your attention. And he knows how to get that. Uh, in the New Testament, we have a parallel story. Luke chapter 9, Jesus was going to Jerusalem and when he came into Samaria, they didn't want to accept him there. And his followers, James and John, said to the Lord, why don't we just command fire to come down out of heaven and consume them as Elijah did? Uh, that was the attitude of Jonah. Jonah wanted these people to pay. They deserve to pay. But you know, God is such an incredible God of love.
that that is his, listen, that is his last resort to pay. His last resort. He uses all sorts of people in all sorts of circumstances to save people, to deliver people. And you know how Jesus responded to James and John? This is what he said. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. In other words, James and John, stop this idea of zapping everybody when it doesn't go your way. Now, I know if you were God, you'd use the zap, wouldn't you? I know I would. Something doesn't go our way, zap. (laughs) That's why we're not in that position. Uh, God doesn't want to do that. He says, listen, I'm in the business of not destroying people's lives. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11 is the classic in the Old Testament. Let's read this together this morning. So to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn. From your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God says, listen, I'm not happy when wicked people die and are punished. But my desire is that the wicked would turn away from his ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. That's why he sent Jonah to Nineveh. He didn't want to destroy Nineveh. He wanted Nineveh to be saved. Now, a New Testament counterpart is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Let's read this together. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, just think of this. This is big. The people we don't like the people that are bad, extremely bad, the cultures that are evil, he's not willing that any of them should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, Jonah here in chapter 4 thinks God's making a mistake. And uh, he says here, I told you so. That's what he's saying in verse number 2. He said, this is the reason that I ran away from you because I knew that you are a merciful God. And if these people would repent, you would save them. And I didn't want to have any part in that. Uh, Jonah didn't get it that we're supposed to hate people's vices, but not the people. We're to hate their vices, but not the people. And sometimes we get that confused because we hate their vices so much that we, we, we look at that them as a complete unit. They're not. Uh, We need to hate people's addictions today that are ruining their lives, but not the people. Not the people. And so God hated the wickedness of Nineveh, but he loved the people. And so he's making it real clear here in Jonah. Uh, He brought up the subject of their wickedness, and now he's talking about having compassion upon them. Jonah complains to God uh, about sparing Nineveh, and then he complains about the sun's glare. He's perched somewhere overlooking Nineveh. He's hoping for an earthquake 
or fire to come down like Sodom and Gomorrah, some dramatic form of judgment. And all of these people all over town uh, are in sackcloth and ashes and they're repenting of their sins and wickedness. And God is pleased with this. And he backs off of his impending, threatened judgment upon Nineveh. Uh, God's compassion is seen here in chapter 4. In spite, I might say this, in spite of the horrible attitude that Jonah had. Uh, in spite of the horrible attitude that Jonah had, God, first of all, wanted to relieve some of his misery. But Jonah was such a miserable person. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> he was just a miserable person. And so here he's out there looking and hoping that God is going to, like, wipe out the city of Nineveh, and he's hot. And so God creates this plant that grows up over him, and uh, he becomes very, very happy. Look up there in verse number 6. Jonah is very grateful for the plant. He's happy about it. He's happy about the wrong thing. And in verse number 10, uh, the Lord says, Now listen, you're concerned about the vine Remember it died? The, the vine died? Look at verse 10. You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. You're so concerned about your personal comfort. Uh, he was upset. Now, now follow this thinking. He was upset because the vine died. And you know... I know we sit back and we say, now that's, that's despicable. But, you know, we get upset about things that are very temporary, don't we, when we lose them? And when things don't go our, our way and, and uh, we lose the things that we want, we get upset too. And so God gives him a revelation here. He's all mad, upset to the point of death because of this vine that died. He's hot. There's no air conditioning. And God gives him a revelation. And God says essentially in verse number 11, listen, you're concerned about this temporal vine. I'm concerned about all these thousands of people in this city. And so, boy, he had misplaced affection. God is concerned for people. This is a revelation. Uh, and I hope that it's not a revelation for you today, but sometimes it is. You know, we, we spend so much of our time trying to be so comfortable, trying to create and craft a lifestyle that uh, just protects us in every corner, that we forget there is a whole world out there that God loves and a whole world that's perishing. And so we, uh, we find ourselves in a similar situation. God not only is concerned about the people here, but he's concerned about the animals too, for those of you who love animals. He's, he brings that up here in this verse. We oftentimes lament against the flowers that loses their beauty. We look at things that are transient and we are depressed when we lose them. But uh, John MacArthur in his study Bible says that, you see in verse 11 it says there's 120,000. He believes that these are children here. And the, and the real population of the city of Nineveh was 600,000. These are just children. And so, and so here, here is the startling conclusion. 
God spares this whole city of 600,000 people. And Jonah, the prophet of God, is depressed that God did this. Now, how despicable is that? I think God should have retired him right on the spot. You know, I don't know if he had much of a ministry after that or not. But uh, Jonah had selective love. Luke chapter 15, verse 10 says this. Uh, let's read this together. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, that, what that means is when somebody comes to Christ and repents of their sins, there's joy in heaven. Now, there's 600,000 people here. How much joy is that in heaven? All of heaven is rejoicing. They've turned to God. They've accepted God. Jonah is depressed because they turned to God. He said they don't deserve it. And so it's true of you and me. But God loves us, and that makes the difference. Jonah was indifferent to their damnation. God was not. Uh, how do, what do we learn from this? God's heart is as big as the world. You know, it's a great and wonderful day, and I think we have to keep telling ourselves this all the time when we realize that we're not the center of the universe. Some of you look shocked when I made that statement. I think of that every time I get in line at Walmart. I'm thinking, you, you, know, you know when you go to Walmart, you, you always look for the line, the line at the less people. It's, it's exasperating, isn't it? It's like you go here and, and then, oh, that's not the line. It's over here. And then, you, and then you have a scout down there, your wife. And she's, she's going like this. <laughs> And so you're going this way as fast as you can, and this other person's going this way as fast as they can because they had a scout too. <laughs> and you get in that line, and somehow you mess up most of the time. You can't figure that out. And so you're all backed up, and you're thinking, and you pull out your cell phone to play with it. And you think, isn't this awful? And what you're saying is, I am the center of the universe. <laughs> and so when I get in that situation and I'm like between, behind three or four cards, <laughs> I say to myself, John, you are not the center of the universe. <laughs> you are not the center of the universe. We have to keep telling ourselves that all the time because somehow somebody put that in our head that we are. Well, uh, Jonah thought he was the center of the universe. And God said, listen, Jonah, you're not. I love these people. Their lives are all messed up. I hate their wickedness, but I love them. And so that's why I send you to them. Uh, this is my last lesson of this, this today. Uh, God uses uh, imperfect people. When you just think of the people that God uses, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. You know, we think that, you know, God needs this perfect individual over here to be his spokesman in the world. He doesn't. He uses strange people sometimes, misfits. People that you look at and you say, boy, they're weird. They are weird. I know you never say that about anybody. 
You know, you see some preacher, some preacher or somebody, and you say, oh, what a weirdo is he. But you know what? God uses, he can use anything. You know that? And he does. I remember there was a fellow that came into our church and he was telling me, he said, some guy, I guess you call him a weirdo kind of a guy, led him to Christ. Somehow he worked with him and, and he went to his church and it was not the kind of church you want to go to. They were way out. And he said, you know, I won't ever go to that, that kind of a church again, but God used that man to bring me to Christ. God uses strange things. God uses strange people. And so, so the moral of the story is this. God will use you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be available. That's all. Available. God will use you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, let me ask you first of all this morning, are you a Jonah? Has God called you and are you running away from him? Well, let me say to you that uh, you can't run fast enough or long enough because he has methods to get your attention. And the reason why he tries to do that is because he loves you and he wants you to live according to his plan. And that's always the best plan, getting on his page. And so I want to ask you today, if you're Jonah and you're running away and things aren't working out for you, they're not going to work out for you unless you come back to God, unless you rededicate your life to Christ and say, hey, Lord, I'm sorry I ran away. I'm coming back. And maybe you're here today and you've, God's calling you to do something as a Christian and you've been like throwing up every roadblock, every excuse you could think of. Uh, and uh, don't do that because you're just wasting good time. Just give God what you have. And you might say, I don't have much. Well, that's all, that's all he wants. That's all he wants, just what you have, just your heart. Give him your heart. He'll do the rest. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll take this uh, story of Jonah and bring it right down into our life. Help us to see ourselves in him how we run away when you call us. Even when you're doing something good in our life, we're preoccupied with our own comfort. We pray that you'll give us eyes as big as the world, really. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. And as we sing uh, this song together, if you'd like to come and pray about anything that's going on in your life or you'd like to make a decision this morning about the church, you just feel free to come forward as we sing this together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the Yes. Mm -hmm.
He has a fan club, too. Hi, my name is Brandon. I like long walks on the beach. Thank you very much. All right. Um, I just want to remind everyone, or invite you if you haven't heard, we're having a picnic afterwards, right after um, service is over, which it is. Um, don't leave yet. Um, we are having adult kickball on the field down below at 2. I will be checking IDs, so don't try to get in if you don't have a driver's license. Um, we have the um, playground open in the back. And then my wife's been setting up tables and chairs in the gym uh, for food. Um, I have to apologize to anyone who was here first service. I lied. Um, I promised lobster and steak. <laughs> I half lied. We are not having lobster. Uh, we are having steak. And because I lied, I decided not to have like a sirloin or a T-bone or even Ruth's Chris. Um, I went all out and we got tube steak. <laughs> That's a hot dog, Dan. It's hot dog. Okay. So if anyone wants to have some hot dogs, we got watermelon, chips, pies, cakes different wow, fun stuff. Come and stay. Bring your kids. They should be here anyway. Um, they can play. We have fun. And uh, hope to see you guys there. Thank you, Thanks. Brandon. Thank you for your entertaining announcement. Thank you. Yes. Okay, turn around and shake hands with everybody. God bless you. You're